Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, Head of School. I'm Maria Massey, Assistant Head of School for Student Life. And Dr. B.J. Weimer, the Assistant Head of School for Academics. And parents, today we're going to be talking about something our children dread, and that is uh, standardized testing. And if part of our goal to nurture, educate, and equip uh, you as parents with the issues that our kids face, this is a big one. And it's not so big in the, the enormity of what these tests mean, but it is big in the sense that it's a different week for these kids. It's a, it's a mental week for them, uh, a lot of strain, and Dr. Weimer's here to really walk through us, uh, walk with us rather, um, to help us know what the best way to go about this is, both as parents, as educators as well. This is an area that she has spent a lot of time in and around, and so grateful to have her expertise. So. When does KDS take the achievement test? Achievement tests are coming up. We have two weeks to go. Um, they will be the week of September 30th through October 4th. And who takes these tests? Well, achievement tests at Kirk Day School are every fall. So they will be with our second graders through our sixth graders. Awesome. So what do we use, what tests do we use when we take these? Tests. Right. For, so for our second graders through our sixth graders, for many years now, we have used what we call the CTP. Um, we are in the fifth edition of that test. That's the Comprehensive Testing Program. That's what that stands for. It's put out by ERB, which is the Educational Research Bureau. And it's a, it's a test that's used in uh, many of our top-ranked schools, Christian schools across the country, use this, this test. It's highly recommended for high-achieving schools. Well, and that's something that's actually come up at uh, several conferences I've been at, um, as well as other top schools use this test. There, there are a myriad of standardized tests out there. Some are state-initiated, some uh, are through different organizations, but I will say that was something that, that I was pleased to see already um, being done at Kirk Day School at the time was CTP4, which is, again, parents, just the name right. of the test. Uh, now we've got this new test, the five, but it is a phenomenal test and a really good, deep comprehensive evaluation of that uh, and it's through ERB and so parents any of you that have gone to grad school and maybe have had to take uh, a variety of tests like the GRE uh, is, is administered by ERB uh, organization so it's it's a solid program so how important are these tests I think that's a question a lot of parents want to know because it feels like well my kids you know we're gonna know if my kids smart if my kids struggling if my kid um, has this or that you know whether or not they're gonna be a good athlete all comes down to this test no okay <laughs> not at all um, and in fact it, this I think we need to just relax on this this really is a test that's um, uh, what it's not is high stakes this is not a high stakes test um, there are no serious consequences for a child uh, you can't pass or fail this test you're going to get scores, but that's going to tell us how you're doing in, in lower grades. It might assess their it's going to assess their reading, some of their listening and vocabulary, things like that, writing um, mathematics and so on. Our older kids will get verbal skills and quantitative reasoning skills, but that's going to be it's not going to keep them from being promoted. It's not going to exclude them from any particular program. So it's not a high stakes stakes test. This really is a a strong nationally. Um, Norma uh, test that's highly reliable for us. It's a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool. And what do you it's, mean by it's, tool? It's a tool for um, really on three different levels. So for the individual student, it's going to help us 
look at specific strengths. It's going to help us measure and identify the strengths the, the child has. It might look at areas that we have more need for, for working on with that particular child. We look at it across the grade levels as well. So our teachers will get together after the test is done and we're going to look at how that grade level is doing. How did the students improve from last year or not? We're going to, um, you know, where do we need to work for the rest of the year? That's the neat part about doing it in the fall is that we have an opportunity to look ahead and be proactive in our instruction for this year. So we're going to look at it across the grade levels for potential needs and that will be in specific um, subjects and skill areas. But we're also going to look at it school-wide. So we're going to look at trends from year to year, again, across the grades, across the subject areas, the different skills that's, that are going on. So at KDS specifically, it's really a tool that we use for our planning, for our curriculum, for our instruction. Um, what we're going to emphasize is just a good general measure of our academic progress. And of course, all of that's just on behalf of the students. Yeah. I know I grew up with uh, the TCAP. I don't know what you grew up with. I step. The ice, ooh, that's Cause it's Indiana standardized. Yeah, that sounds kind of like you know precursing oh, yeah. the iPod <laughs> or you know the, the iPad. That's so. probably where Apple got the yes. idea from. Yeah, the Indiana Bureau of Education, yep. I'm sure. But I grew up with the TCAP, and there ain't no better test to there ain't no better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, than than the TCAP. But I remember we would do them in the spring every year, and it was kind of it was kind of a mix for us emotionally because on one hand, it was boring, right? You didn't want to you didn't want to take the test. And on the second part, though, is you usually got some extra recess and, and energy out and things like that. So it was always a, an interesting test to do, but you, you did it K through 12. Uh, but that being said, we always did them in the spring. And so a few years ago, we made a very conscious decision to change these to yes. the fall to be able to address um, our students mid-year. And part of that decision really had to do with knowing that, quite frankly, more than ever, we have the information and the data to be able to identify certain issues and needs. And while these tests are not high stakes, what these do allow us to do is instead of studying a student over the summer, they allow us to study a student over the year and be able to make those, those adjustments uh, for the benefit of the family and the students. And so that's, that's why we do it in the fall. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I like what you're saying. It's not high stakes. Can you give me an example of what a high stakes test would be? Absolutely. Well, high stakes tests, when you think about um, entrance exams, you mentioned the GRE. Those are mm -hmm. high stakes because mm -hmm. that's going to determine whether you get in the program or you don't get in the program. Um, many school districts, many of the public schools do have programs that you don't graduate unless you have passed the high stakes test or go on from middle school to high school, for instance. So this is not going to affect our students in that way at all. Uh, we're going to use it, even though we use it for students, um, it's not going to, again, keep them out of something or even determine whether they go into something. It's gonna be uh, more broadly looked at than that. That's good to know. So, I personally hate taking tests. Um, and it's funny you mentioned the GRE. One of the great things about attending Covenant for grad school was I didn't have to take the GRE. Yeah. So what? I know, yeah. And oh. I took it twice. Yeah, I did have to take a Bible comprehension exam and that was a little tough, but I passed, but I had to pass it to graduate. So. What if we, what if there are kids who aren't good test takers? Um, you know, I know that it is a unique situation. So what if someone's child doesn't test well? Well, again, just a reminder, it's not, as we keep saying, it's not a high stakes test. This really is a snapshot of a specific moment of time on the academic progress um, for, for a child in these particular skill areas that we're looking at at each grade level. This is how they look on that day, at that moment, the way they're feeling. So 
Um, we have to remember that when we evaluate students, we're looking at a broad picture of our students. It's not just the achievement test, that's one piece of the puzzle. It's their daily progress in the classroom and what those um, daily skills look like. It's going to be how they socialize and engage on the playground. Um, you know, there's just so many other things that we're looking at, you know, where their hearts are and, and their walk with the Lord. So this test alone is not, is not going to uh, be the end all. So, and some of us just don't test well. There are, right here. I have excellent yep. grad students myself that have told me their GRE scores were not well, not strong. So um, sometimes we're just anxious over testing. We, mm -hmm. we can talk about that a little bit and unpack that. But some kids are just anxious over testing and aren't going to remember what they need at that moment. Um, they, may not, they may lack the test-taking knowledge. You know, one way, a lot of people spend a lot of money to take a test well when they are high stakes. So um, that comes into to play and we don't, we don't have to worry about that. So right. we're gonna help our kids too um, on that process though because next week we will have practice tests in the classroom. So the kids are gonna have an opportunity to see the different kinds of items that they're gonna see on the test, become familiar with them. Teachers will work with that process and what it looks like. And um, you know, hopefully that'll reduce some of that anxiety too. That's well, great. speaking of the anxiety, I'd love that to go to both of you um, in this case, but Dr. Weimer, let's start with you. What if your child is anxious over test? Um, they've got to breathe in that paper bag. They, you know, they've got to, they got to do whatever they can to, to get ready for it. And you know, you've seen plenty of shows and things about high schoolers, you know, maybe take, taking the ACT. And I'm thinking more like Saved by the Bell, right? I was thinking Growing Pains. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Well, thank you, Kirk Cameron. Um, <laughs> the but the idea is that we kind of have a really a media purview of standardized mm -hmm. test taking, right? And, and joking about finals or things, and you see it in movies, et cetera. Um, but kids really do get anxious, and it does affect their ability to take tests. So what if your child is anxious over tests like this, even though they're not high stakes, it's just a natural progression. How would you recommend it from an academic side? And you're also, uh, you also have a psychology degree, so you, you can speak to that. But then we also have a psychologist with us, so let's, let's talk about both sides of that. Well, first of all, it's normal to be anxious over a test. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, that's normal, recognize that. And the kids aren't gonna be the only ones that are anxious that week. Parents are gonna be anxious. Um, teachers are gonna be anxious. Even administrators are anxious until those test results come in and we've unpacked some of that, so. Because they're high stakes for me. If we don't do well, <laughs> I'm gone, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not gonna go on that one, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I, there's a lot to it. So, no one's gonna fail the CTP. You're not gonna fail. So that's one thing. All we can do is our personal best, right? So if we're working on that, um, we need to all just remember we need to stay calm. Uh, we wanna do well, but there is no need for unnecessary pressure uh, on the kids, on the teachers, uh, on all that kind of stuff. And teachers are aware of the concerns the kids have. They recognize that, they mm -hmm. know what's going on. So um, they will take Again, they'll have that, that time next week where they can practice. That'll give the teachers an opportunity to let the kids see similar items beforehand. They're going to be able to practice some of those strategies. Um, teachers are going to emphasize excuse me, the importance of doing their best, but again, not worrying about a grade because there's not going to be a grade on this right. test. Uh, the students won't even receive those results, and so it's, it's just doing their best. Um, Mrs. Yeah. Massey, you're going to also have an opportunity to go in um, specific strategies, and I've got some more we can talk about even um, here, but specific strategies to help lessen that test anxiety that some kids have, and um, you know, some kids are just anxious in the classroom anyway, so how can we lessen that process? 
and teachers will be working through those pieces as well. You can avail yourself to them next week um, also on some of those strategies. Yeah, we're going to provide kind of a, a list of anxiety strategies for teachers that they can do kind of in between the tests to help their kids refocus. And, you know, it's a lot harder to think clearly when we're anxious. So that frontal part of our brain kind of goes offline when we start to feel that fear. Um, so we're going to provide the teachers with some things that they can do in between the tests to help just lower some of the, that anxiety. And it's just, it's exhausting to take tests. So it's good to have some breaks. Um, but I would definitely recommend that you make sure your kid eats breakfast. Um, so we can talk some more about that too. Yeah, what, what are some strategies that um, you have, Dr. Weimer? Well, and just remember too, if I can just add this, uh, we do know that it's exhausting. And so these tests are not done in one day. Mm-hmm. They're going to be done. They are scheduled. Teachers have a schedule. Uh, they set a specific schedule for those weeks. So in the younger grades, they're only going to do one test a day. And they only have um, four tests. So they're going to do them uh, pretty pretty early in the day. And then with the older grades, on the high end, they have they do have eight subtests. But they'll do those two a day and usually put off and not have to do it on Friday. So they might split it, do one in the morning, one in the afternoon. But again, they're, they're going to build those breaks mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Um, some of the things t- parents can do in terms of helping their kids, one of them is just uh, talk about the test. Talk about testing and what to expect. That's what's going to go on in the classroom as well, but they can hear it from you when it's calm and, and over the dinner, dinner table or, or on the ride to school. Um, what's the purpose behind the test? Again, not putting that undue pressure on them. Um, if they're receiving accommodations, we can talk about that a little bit. Um, a number of our kids do receive accommodations for the test. We can talk about that. Uh, those that are in the resource room are going to talk about it ahead of time and be prepared for that. But we can talk about what those accommodations are, why do we get the accommodations, and how do we use them so we feel comfortable with that. Um, let them know the test is important. We definitely want, we don't want to make it a minor thing, right. but we do want to um, de-emphasize the pressure on it, but let them know it's important. Do your very best, the best you can do. And it's going to be your personal best. Uh, reassure them. They're, I don't know that we've ever had a student that's answered every question correctly. Um, it is designed so that um, it's going to be challenging, and it is a challenging test. So just let them remind them they can't, they're not expected to know all the answers and have a perfect score. Uh, they need to take care, obviously, be careful with it and not rush themselves. And they're not in competition with anybody else. Again, it's back to their own personal best. There is no penalty on this test incorrect answers so learning that strategy and just remind mm-hmm. them try to put an answer down for everything mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's always important uh, upwards of through your college testing and post some of those testing. it is yeah. a penalty for wrong answers right. so in this case take your best guess take your best guess um, and complete everything you can and if you have time you know we have students that do like to rush through things don't rush um, take your time, and if you have time in the class, uh, for the older grades, the, the lower grades, it is untimed. For the upper grades, there are time limits. Again, there are a number of kids who will have extended time uh, opportunities, but if it is timed and they are done and the time's not up, then they need to go back and check their answers. They have, they have that ability to do that um, since it's not an online test. Um, other things will be just teaching them some simple relaxation techniques. Mm-hmm. Again, Mrs. Massey, that's some of the things you can do in the classroom too, but talk about stretching, talk about the deep breathing, um, talk about them just to stay calm 
uh, to relax. So getting that good night's sleep all week (laughs) is super important. They need to come in and not be um, sleepy and groggy. Getting a good healthy breakfast, a donut on the way to school is not a good choice. Um, The sugary cereal is probably not a good choice that morning. Um, Make sure and wake them up plenty early so that they do have time. You're not rushed and and, um, get yourself organized the night before. That can be helpful too so that your your mornings are feeling relaxed, they're pleasant. Um, Carpool time can be a pleasant experience as well that morning so they're not coming to school already kind of ranked up up, um, being kind of anxious over something. So if they are, uh, do have a prescriptive medication, that's a good day not to forget. Um, Make sure that that you have that prepared as well. And uh, if your child's truly not feeling well on a a testing day and and really not feeling well, uh, not not able to focus, it might be a day just to, might be better just to stay home and we can work in a makeup test if we need to. Although makeup tests don't have to be done. If they've done more than half the test, it is, it will run through, so. Um, and it's, another, it's not real quick though, to, n- not uh-huh. to completely cut you off, but it sounds like what you're saying, at least in a the theological realm, God doesn't call us to always be the best, but He does call us to give our best. Our best, absolutely. And and by doing that, it's this is this is one of those opportunities. You know, my my dad would always be like, "There's a time and a place." You know, time and a place, son. And sorry, Dad, I completely <laughs> just uh, obliterated an impression of you, so my my fault. But the time and the place specifically though of this this is a serious time for them it's okay to have a little bit of gravitas but not to the point to where they're anxious Mm -hmm. is that correct that's what we want to keep it down to yeah take it seriously take it it's important Um, but be calm be supportive uh, with them can I add to be on time on test days Uh, I know a lot of us can can tend to run late but that's a date most teachers are going to start those tests first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. don't want them to, to you know, the class to be waiting because that's going to make them anxious and if everyone's already ready to, to get and started. So why do we do them in the morning? Be on time because they're supposed to be fresh and ready to go. That's right. And studies have shown, <laughs> and, I, and I asked <laughs> that question better. specifically though, studies have shown that children are going to do much better in the morning, particularly with our age group, right? Mm-hmm. High schoolers, yeah. there, there's some various yeah. studies uh, out there because of their sleep patterns and things. But for our children, most of them are going to do much better if they take a test in the morning. The other thing that you mentioned as far as sleep, uh, one of the things that, that I always enjoyed doing was delaying my studying um, until the night before or whatever that might look like. And I had a board member in my last school, her name's Kimberly Caraway. She uh, has her master's from Harvard. And Kimberly has written uh, a curriculum and she has just done brain studies for years and a wonderful Christian lady. But a big part of her research has shown that uh, in the more sleep you get in between information mm-hmm. to the testing mm-hmm. of it, the better that your brain mm-hmm. retains that. Now, I'm not saying that parents have your kids study up and then get them great night's sleep each night, but that sleep does have a huge, huge impact on just the overall performance of, of what a child is able to recall not just what they're able to, to put out in a test, which I think is just more of an assurance there. And I think um, we can do that, uh, at least scheduling-wise, particularly as we look at our week week ahead. It might be something worth doing between you and your spouse or whomever is helping you take care of that child. Yeah, yeah that's rest, great. Rest, good breakfast, and reducing anxiety are probably the three biggest things Definitely. in terms of preparation. So um, just remember to stay calm, be supportive, if you're worried, 
your child's going to be worried. Definitely. Um, and they're going to stress out. So each day, you know, I just think, come in. Um, make sure when you drop them off, you just give them a, a heartfelt, I love you. Uh, use what you've learned, do your best, and then you're going to do fine. So for those kids that need the accommodations, what does that look like? Are they allowed to have accommodations? Tell us a little bit about that area. We do have students that will qualify for, and, and they certainly benefit from having those accommodations, and all accommodations do for a child is level that playing field. So that child that just needs that extra time to process, that child that is highly distractible, um, the child that has difficulty filling in the bubbles, you know, the, mm -hmm. the bubble sheets uh, accurately because when it goes through a Scantron, if you've got a straight pencil mark, <laughs> you're going to get a wrong answer. So um, those kind of things we do accommodate for. So um, they're typically they're determined based on individual uh, individual educational evaluations. So a child who does have uh, a diagnosis uh, will have usually referrals and recommendations for. Um, for different accommodations. We do have a few other factors that may come into play too where a child may get accommodations and the, the school does have through the ERB we do have that right to to make those choices. So basically there are four accommodations uh, that are typically used on occasion we will have uh, others this year it will be limited to these four but the most common is having the extended time for most of us that's going to be extending it by 50 percent. Okay for the processing uh, part of that. We do have a few students that will take their testing in alternative settings. So they may be taking it in the resource room with uh, Mrs. Uh, Rectine. They may be taking it with you, Mrs. Massey. Uh, they may come into my office and those will all be scheduled. We're doing those uh, selections by grade level. So the, the teachers know ahead of time. Uh, some students will get it in alternative formats. And what that basically means, that's the child who cannot do the bubble sheets well. Now the lower grades uh, actually write in their test booklets, so that's not an issue. But for some of the students in the higher levels, uh, fifth and sixth grade specifically, if, um, if using the Scantron sheets is, is challenging for them, then we will actually have a book in which they can write and then those answers will be um, transferred over onto a Scantron so sheet So they don't for have them. to worry about filling in yeah. the wrong all that answer. fine motor issue, yep. the processing, the Takes tracking away. back and forth, any of those kinds of concerns mm -hmm. are taken care of that way. So uh, that is a, a accommodation for several kids. We do have a few that too that there are certain parts that may be challenging for them to read. If it's not measuring reading uh, per se, then those parts may be read to them. So some students may have an accommodation of being read aloud, having parts read aloud to them. Um, teachers are aware of those accommodations. They've already been given that information. Parents um, should be getting that information here uh, in the next day or so. So you'll either hear from uh, the teachers or you'll hear from myself or you'll hear from the resource room. And so you'll know exactly what accommodations your child is getting. If you have any questions about that, obviously give us a call and uh, we'll talk to you about it. So you are encouraged, the, the students will know ahead of time also what those accommodations are. The very young, young ones won't uh, probably have, that, have all that information. but. Our older students will know, they'll understand why, but certainly have that conversation at home too. So they just get it reaffirmed. So that would be good. And again, if you have any questions at all, give me a call and we'll, uh, we'll make sure we have all the details. Awesome. So when do we get the results? So results usually come, and I do want to say usually, in three to four weeks. Okay. Um, every once in a while there's a snafu and one's missing, so um, uh, we're hoping that goes well this year. but. Uh, we will get the results in about three or four weeks. And as soon as we do, we will start to process that. And um, actually the processing of it 
can go for weeks for us because we're looking at right. it and, and really analyzing those results. But uh, parents will get, a, will get a parent report. So they'll get a, an official report from ERB with the results on their child's um, testing. And then they will also get a letter from me which will explain the different rankings that we get. We get things in percentiles, we get things in um, stay nines and all these different kinds of, of figures. And so I will explain all that in a, in a cover letter with it as well. So um, yeah, you'll have lots of background information. And when you mentioned us going through for a few weeks and gathering that data, one of the things that we do is try to have a longitudinal effect, uh, or, or rather gather the data so that we can have a longitudinal view of how our kids are doing uh, holistically. And so it does take some time. It takes some time uh, to look from one class how, let's say, this year's sixth grade class did on last year's test as they were fifth graders. And we want to make sure that we're comparing the right data and the right kids and not just one class to another across the school. We're really looking at it holistically between the, between the norms. Yeah, the findings really, I and mean, we take all that data and it really does start to open up lots of questions for us. So unpacking those questions, and that's going to be done administratively. It's going to be done with, with teachers and within departments. Um, we're looking at ourselves and, and analyzing, um, going back on those results, looking at uh, where are we falling? You know, how are we comparing with the we get norms from the national? We get norms with suburban schools and other independent schools. So where are we falling in those rankings? We're also going to look at, um, again, we already talked about, but where are we falling short in something? Or have we dropped as we look? We look at... Um, at a grade level, are we seeing a specific weakness? Are we seeing uh, our strength? Um, where are the classes going over time? So are we seeing patterns here? We're also going to look at how can we enrich our kids you know, as, as well. But just really looking for evidence of strong learning outcomes as a school and, and where that is. And how's that going to impact us in terms of rethinking our curriculum, rethinking our instruction? Several years ago, we did that explicitly for math. So we saw that our kids did really, really well with application of concepts and the reasoning skills because they had those abilities. But we were falling short on the computation, the very mm, basics. Yeah. And so we had to take a look at what could we do in our mathematics to reinforce the basic skills of math. And um, now the great thing about that is we changed that, made, made those um, changes that we needed, and our basic computation, computational kinds of skills have done very well in recent years. So. Um, that's that's the process that we want to go through. Well, and I, and I like what you said there, um, just about the fact that we're able to to look at those patterns and then take it take the data and make very good decisions on our future curriculum based on that. And I think that's something nationally that, that the top schools in the country do. Mm -hmm. It's something that we've done for a long time, and I think we've received some commendation, particularly from CSI, on that. But also uh, other organizations uh, like NAIS, SAIS, um, you have uh, North Central, all these other uh, secular accrediting institutions, these are things that they're looking for to hold their top private schools to these same standards, and we're doing that. And yeah. I think that's a wonderful Well, we need practice, to be proactive. So. Absolutely want to be proactive and, um, and, and reflective in the process. So uh, back to the, the high stakes really is, I think, on a more of an administrative level in terms of what can we do and right. do it better right. and do it well. So how can a parent find out more information about their child's test? I know you said the results get to us in three to four weeks. It takes some time. 
but how are the parents going to kind of know where how their kid did? Well, as I, as I said, they will get they will get a written form that we get from ERB, mm-hmm. so that will be printed up for each parent along with a cover letter explaining some of that, and that goes home with each family. Okay. So each child um, will have that information, and then if they want more depth of that, and oftentimes we will get calls, parents want to come in and, and meet and talk more specifically, and we can do that either with the teachers or with uh, myself, they can come in. So. Awesome. Well, that's great. Well, Dr. Weimer, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing this. Parents, I would highly encourage you and strongly encourage you to reach out to Dr. Weimer if you have any questions about this, um, whether it's uh, accommodations for your student, whether it's just your own nervousness, please, please, please reach out. That's what she's here for. But also, she's an expert. We're blessed to have her uh, in, in, in the building each week. She's very humble because she doesn't like to be called Dr. Weimer, but I do it anyway, Dr. Weimer, right? Um, and so... Uh, but that being said, this is an issue um, that, that our kids face, and our, our testing is going to be grades 2 through 6. And so while it doesn't affect uh, a, a portion of the school, it does affect the majority of our kids, and it can affect the, the way that their week is interpreted, their behaviors are interpreted. But we want to partner with you for their best. And so we thank you guys for listening. We look forward to bringing you some more podcasts uh, up shortly. But for now, we will... Uh, you guys have a wonderful day and talk to you soon.